Hey friends, this is Michael Bohm with Youth Apologetics Training. Today we're going to keep going with this series about the new apostolic reformation and their beliefs. How did this all get going? What do they believe? Is it biblical? What scriptures do they use to support these beliefs? And what does the Bible actually say about what they believe? Now, if any of you out there are uh, pro-NAR, New Apostolic Reformation. You are for many of these teachings. Uh, I welcome you. It's amazing that you've made it to the second podcast after the first one. I love you guys, okay? I welcome you guys. I don't call you lost, okay? And I believe that you love the Lord. You praise the Lord, okay? But I'm also very concerned about truth. So, as brothers and sisters in Christ... Let's sit down, let's look at what the Bible says, and let's let the chips fall where they may, okay? Uh, I welcome you to this series, and I hope that I'm not offensive to you. I apologize if I am. Please don't hate me if I tell you the truth. I'm trying to get the body of Christ in my own little way to the truth of God's word. And so yesterday we talked about the New Apostolic Reformation a little bit. We introduced some of the concepts that we're going to be getting into in this series. And like I said, they subscribe to many of the uh, essential doctrines of the Christian faith. And by the way, my very first series that I ever recorded was on the essential doctrines of the Christian faith. Uh, if you don't know what those are, go check it out. It is a very basic series. Uh, when I recorded it, I was scared to death, but I, <laughs> uh, something weird about talking to a microphone sitting by yourself. But um, uh, I wanted the best that I could to try and make a difference in the body of Christ in whatever way God would use me. And that was the, well, the first series I ever did. Uh, and it's a good one. It's got good information. If you don't know what those, those essentials are, go back and check that out. Uh, this movement... This new apostolic reformation, even though they subscribe to the essentials, they go off the reservation in some of these other areas that we're going to explore. Well, how did this all get started? When did this ball get rolling? Well, uh, many charismatic type movements have popped up through the ages, really, since Christ. But really, in the early 1900s, there was this explosion of Pentecostalism. All right. And this emphasis on spiritual gifts, speaking in tongues, uh, healings, revelations, hearing from God, stuff like this. Right. And uh, it, it even started making its way into Protestantism and no, it even made its way into uh, some Catholic church denominations or, well, rather circles, I should say, uh, around in the 60s. And so, believe it or not, there are some Catholics out there that have more of like a, a um, hyper-charismatic bent to them, where they're speaking in tongues and receiving revelations from the Lord and the like. It's interesting that they're not hearing anything from the Lord like, hey, uh, why don't you pray to me instead of Mary? Uh, I, she's a great girl, but uh, she, she's not my mom as far as uh, the mother of God. Okay, and why don't you stop praying to those saints? They can't help you, but I can. And by the way, uh, that that wine and wafer, that's not technically me. And you really shouldn't uh, believe that you're re-sacrificing me every time you do that. But anyway, oh, I digress. Um, this movement 
continued to grow in various ways. In the 1980s, that's when uh, apostles and prophets started popping up out of the woodwork. And this belief that God was bringing the, the office of apostle and prophet back. Okay, uh, of course, it's obvious that in Old Te- or in the New Testament, we have apostles who were sent ones. They were sent from Jesus Christ himself. They saw Christ and they were sent by Christ. Those were the original apostles, you know, kind of like OG, original gangsters. Well, these were OAs, original apostles. And they were down with it. Sorry. <laughs> Boy, that was horrible. Um, <laughs> and so moving on, uh, these original apostles, and then towards, uh, and then in the New Testament, you also see other messengers, sent ones, who were uh, apostles basically sent by the church. Okay, they were messengers of the church, but they didn't see Christ they never met Christ, and they were not sent by Christ. Big distinction. But here in the 80s and the 90s, you start seeing these apostles uh, popping up and prophets who are claiming to have words of the Lord, and they are taking on the title. There is this preoccupation in these movements with titles, as you're going to see as we go on here. Everybody's got to have a title. I even had some pretty cool titles when I was part of the movement. But... They take on the titles of apostle or prophet. You know, Apostle C. Peter Wagner, of course, he refers to himself as a super apostle. No humility there. Um, clearly a humble man. Uh, but, uh, you know, Apostle Stan Johnson, Apostle Rick Joyner, uh, you know, Prophet Todd Bentley, they have to have this really nice looking title in front of their name. Now I can understand somebody calling you pastor and that makes sense to me because it is designating that, well, you are the pastor of a particular church. But when you start running around claiming apostle and prophet, well, that's a pretty big claim. It's one thing to be claiming that you are, uh, well, the one who teaches a particular congregation. That's pretty provable. But when you start saying you're an apostle or prophet, well, wait a minute. That's something God designates, not man. All right, but of course they're going to claim that God does give them these titles. We'll see about that as we go. Well, in 2001, uh, a character comes along named C. Peter Wagner. Now, this is a very influential guy, okay? He has got a lot of clout, a lot of influence. Uh, 30 years at Fuller Theological Seminary. All right, He served as a missionary in Bolivia under South American Mission and Andes Evangelical Mission, uh, now SIM International, from 1956 to 1971. Uh, I'm reading right off of Wikipedia here, but uh, he then served 30 years, 71 to 2001, as Professor of Church of Growth at Fuller Theological Seminary School of World Missions until his retirement in 2001. He is the author of more than 70 books. He was the president of Global Harvest Ministries from 93 to 2011 and is currently the Chancellor, Chancellor Emeritus of Wagner Leadership Institute, which serves to train leaders to join in a movement known as the New Apostolic Reformation. As an organization, Wagner also helped to found. He is currently the vice president of Global Spheres. C. Peter Wagner is the one who first coined the phrase or named the movement 
the New Apostolic Reformation. Uh, this is what C. Peter Matt Wagner says in his own words about that event. And I think this will help you get to know the guy. He's a very likable guy. I've read many of his various writings. Uh, I haven't listened to much of anything he actually, you know, audio files, but you can just tell by the way he writes and the way, the way he speaks. He's a very likable guy. He's very charismatic. He's very friendly. He likes to crack jokes from time to time. But this is what he says. When I began researching the Pentecostal movement years ago, it already had a name. This new movement, however, did not have a name. Because I was planning to teach a seminary course based on it, I needed a name for my course. For a couple of years, I experimented with post-denominationalism, but strong protests from my denominational friends persuaded me that it might not be the best name. Besides, many of the new apostolic churches have remained within their denominations. Independent charismatic does not seem to fit either, because these churches see themselves as independent, as interdependent, as opposed to independent, and secondly, they are not all charismatic in orientation. The name I have settled on for the movement is a new apostolic Re reformation, and individual churches being de designated as new apostolic churches. I use reformation because, as I've said, these new wineskins, everything's got to be new. I, I've said this so many times, but it's always got to be new, new, new. You know, let's get, let's put away those old dusty Bibles and let's look for new stuff. You know, new, 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 new manna, new wineskins, new this, new that. These new wineskins appear to be at least as radical as those of the Protestant Reformation almost 500 years ago. Apostolic connotes a strong focus on outreach plus a recognition of present-day apostolic ministries. New adds a contemporary spin to the name. Although many people were begging for a definition of the new apostolic reformation from the beginning, I resisted formulating one until I believed until I had, I had a more mature grasp of the movement. Now that I have taught my first Fuller Seminary course about the subject, I believe it is time to take the risk of a definition, hoping that it will not have to be revised too frequently in the future. The New Apostolic Reformation is an extraordinary work of God at the close of the 20th century that is, to a significant extent, changing the shape of Protestant Christianity around the world. For almost 500 years, Christian churches have largely functioned within the traditional denominational structures of one kind or another, particularly in the 1990s, but having roots going back for almost a century, new forms and operational procedures are now emerging in areas such as local church government, inter-church relationships, financing, evangelism, missions, prayer, leadership selection, and training, the role of supernatural power, worship, and other important aspects of church life, some of these changes are being seen within the denominational, denominational themselves. But for the most part, they are taking the form of loosely structured apostolic networks. In virtually every region of the world, these new apostolic churches constitute the fastest growing segment of Christianity. And he's not joking. See, Peter Wagner has his International Coalition of Apostles, ICA. Uh, this is the largest professional society of apostles known, with nearly 500 apostles as active members who pay dues, attend an annual meeting, connect with each other, and provide mutual support and accountability. But that is not how far this movement goes. No, no, 
It goes far farther than that. What we're looking at is hundreds of apostolic networks out there. All right. Each one of these networks can have hundreds of churches that uh, affiliate and submit to the leadership of these different apostolic networks. Okay. Uh, Harvest International Ministry. This is an organization uh, headed up by C. Peter Wagner himself. Uh, it's a network of uh, over 12,000 churches and organizations. Just one of these uh, organizations, Harvest International Ministry. This is headed up by Apostle Che On. Uh, this is a network of over 12,000 churches and organizations. Again, under Che On. Uh, who is part of this new apostolic reformation. All right, this movement is, again, ginormous. And I'm telling you, if you look at in the dictionary, it's there. It's a word. Uh, within this movement, and this is a worldwide movement, friends, uh, you're going to find churches like uh, Bethel Church in Reddington, California. You know, Bill Johnson, I have a series on him. Uh, He's part of this movement. You have Harvest Rock Church in Pasadena, California. That's Cheon, pastored by Apostle Cheon. Uh, Morning Star, you know, Rick Joyner, who I just talked about in the last uh, podcast. We have churches all over the world that uh, believe in present-day apostles and prophets. For example, uh, David Yonggai Cho, uh, this is the full gospel church in South Korea with over one million people who attend. Uh, A.E.A. Adobai, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right, Redeemed Christian Church of God in Nigeria with five million people. Sunday Adelia, Embassy of the, sorry, I'm so bad pronouncing some names, Embassy of the Blessed Kingdom of God for All Nations in Ukraine, 20,000 people. Caesar Castellanos, International Charismatic Mission in Colombia, 60,000 people. I mean, this, guys, this movement's huge. All right, and by the way, you can just about lump, just about, okay, with, here I go with a broad brush again, you can just about lump the entire Word of Faith movement in with the new Apostolic Reformation. By the way, uh, most of the goofy teachings that you find in the Word of Faith movement you will find in new apostolic reformation circles as well. Things like the health and wealth gospel. Uh, you'll find a lot of the little gods type doctrines, you know, that you hear people like Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland spouting out. There is the name it and claim it, positive confession, law of attraction type doctrines that you find amongst uh, NAR circles. Just about everything I talked about in the Word of Faith movement series, you're pretty much going to find that type of stuff in these NAR circles. And again, this is not uh, an official organization as such. It doesn't have a doctrinal statement. It is basically a loosely fit together network of, air quotes, apostles and prophets who claim to have words from the Lord and, well, subscribe to some of the other things we're going to be talking about in the coming days. Oh, it's going to get weird. Um, this is probably a good place to stop, friends. If you like these types of teachings, please 
share them on whatever social media platform you're a part of, if you're a part of one of those data mining type <laughs> platforms out there. Uh, yeah, your Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and uh, others like it, like uh, Brandon House's new uh, social media platform, MyWorldViewPage.com, which... Guys, I have to admit, is turning out to be pretty cool. Uh, it's very safe there. There's not all the uh, attacks and stuff that you find on Facebook. I'm not saying quit your Facebook page because, well, you have a better opportunity to witness to the lost on Facebook. But if you want to go somewhere safe and discuss theological issues without a bunch of nonsense, a bunch of atheists or whatever jumping in and calling you stuff, my worldview page. It's pretty safe, and uh, there's a lot of good Christians with a, a wealth of knowledge. Iron sharpens iron. These guys, there's a lot of good Christians in there. So anyway, yeah, sh I would ask guys that you share these types of podcasts with uh, others out there. Let's get this message out. And with that, I love you guys, and I'll see you tomorrow.